Seven tips on settling debt. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Thank you, Nick. And hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast. Hopefully you're listening to us on a Monday morning or at least a morning you're giving us the top of your week so that you can think about your financial wellness. Today, we're coming to you from Lake Arrowhead, California. As always, beautiful downtown Van Nuys, Seattle, Washington, and San Diego. We got the full crew with us here today from Seattle, Brian Reed. Welcome, Brian. How's it going, Dave? Nick, what's up, boys? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. We got Nicholas coming to us from San Diego. Hello to the round table. <laughs> Good to have you guys all here. I don't know about you. I enjoy doing this, but I enjoy doing this more with you guys putting in your kibitz here and there. I, I like that. It's a better podcast with you guys. Well, you know, this, you know, this is what I'm, I am preparing for every day. Uh, potential quips. I've been studying you, uh, you and your psychological patterns, Dave. Um, we have some things to talk about off air. Just I got some things I need to work through, huh? <laughs> uh, you've got some issues there, buddy. <laughs> well, let's talk about settling debt and the issues surrounding settling debt. You know, I hear from people all the time, and they tell me that they just want to settle out their debt or or hire a company to do that. And they, they figured they could probably make the payments, a lot of them, with some personal hardship, but they just don't want to do it any longer. And they say that they're tired and just want to get ahead. And they said, well, you know, I'll, I'll hire somebody or I'll make some calls or I'll hire one of those companies that I heard about on the, on the radio. You know, we'll settle all your debt and I'll just pay them to do that and I'll come out ahead some way. Well, I'm here to tell you, everybody, all of our TFWP listeners, it just doesn't work that way. So I thought it would be good to, to talk about it so that our, our listeners understand what the score is on in that regard and kind of just straighten it out so we've got some, some clear and forward thinking about it. Now, bear in mind, these are only guidelines that I'm going to talk about these seven tips. Every situation is, is different and unique as is every creditor. Um, I've even seen circumstances where people got different results with the same creditor, but on different days. So these are just guidelines, but these are guidelines based upon me giving advice to people on these issues for, oh, probably more than 30 years. So this is, this is the street stuff. This is the straight gouge. This is the real skinny. This is the way that it is. I don't care what anyone tells you on the radio about what they can or cannot do or what they tell you when you call in and say, oh, we'll just settle all your debt. This is the truth. 
So let's start with number one. If you're current on a debt, there's no reason for a creditor to settle with you. Creditors don't settle current debts. Why would they? Right? If they settle with you and let you off the hook and you're paying 21% and it gets out that they let you off the hook, that's going to kill the goose that's laying the 21% golden egg. Even if a debt negotiation company calls on your behalf, why would they settle if you're current? Especially why would they settle if you're also paying a debt negotiation company? A debt needs to be significantly delinquent before a creditor will even talk to you or ever talk to you about settling. I can't tell you how many people have come in and said, I want to settle it out. And I said, well, how far behind are you? Oh, no, 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 I'm current. And I said, well, it's it's just, it's not going to happen. Creditors don't settle on current debts. Why would they? Why should they? Tip number two. If you let a debt go delinquent to settle it, your credit rating will take a beating. Now, that's not the end of the world, and we've talked about that many times on TFWP, but it's certainly something to consider. I wouldn't let my debts go delinquent and take the beating on my credit just to settle them out unless it was a really, really large amount of debt. This will be a factor in in how much money you might be potentially saving, too, and how significant your financial problem might be. And if it's a lot of money, I mean, maybe. But as a rule, I wouldn't let my debts go delinquent just to settle them out. Tip number three, if you settle a debt and pay less than the full amount, the unpaid portion can be considered taxable. Uh Uh-oh, talk to your accountant before you settle any debts. The government sees that unpaid portion is a benefit and they want to tax that benefit. Now, I understand that sometimes there are some ways to get around that issue, things that uh, I don't know firsthand about and that you should talk to your accountant about. But realize that if you owe 10 and settle for seven, that three could potentially be taxable income to you. And if you got to pay tax on it, the benefit to you is not nearly what you um, thought that it might be. Number four, when you call, if you're calling, get the name of the person you're speaking with. Confirm any arrangements in writing before you send in any money. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone call and make a deal. And by the way, a lot of times they're using aliases anyway, but they call and they make a deal, they send in the money, and then they get a call the next month and go, okay, where's the rest of the money? And they say, well, you gave me a deal. And they said, we don't know anything about that. Do you think the creditors would lie to you over the phone? Of course. Make sure you get the name of the person that you're talking with, even though it might not be their real name and confirm any arrangements in writing before you send in the money. Dear Bill, you told me that we would settle this account for this amount. This amount will be forthcoming. Please confirm if this is not the case. Or get them to put it in writing, even better. Hard to do sometimes. But if you can get them to put it in writing, 
This will confirm that if you send us X by this date, this account will be considered paid in full. Get it in writing. Get the name of the person that you're speaking with. Confirm it. Confirm it before you send in any money. Tip number five, creditors will usually accept a lesser lump sum amount or payments, sometimes without interest. They won't accept both. You can't negotiate a lower amount and then expect to make payments on top of that. I can't tell you how many times I've had to break the bad news to people that you can't get the balance reduced and then ask for payments, especially without interest, over some period of time. They just don't accept both. But again, this is only on delinquent accounts where there's a chance, uh, you know, where a chance of collection is actually uncertain. But you're going to get one or the other, rarely both. Dave, have you ever had a situation where you were able to get a reduced balance and a reduced interest, but on a finite number of payments? Or is that getting into just way too much negotiation for what the average credit card customer service person has the ability to do? Well, I got to tell you, I've, I've never seen that. And I suppose that almost anything is possible. But the more complicated it gets, one, the less likely that they'll accept it or understand it. And two, there's a greater likelihood that it'll end up getting all screwed up. So See, while Brian, it is theoretically so, possible, it's tough. See, Brian, I was actually thinking in a similar way you were to where, let's say that there's a $5,000 $5, outstanding debt. And if by chance you would tell the, cre the, the creditor that over five months, I would pay $1,000 or sorry, I would pay 450 a month and the debt would go away at 4,500 and have it in writing. I think writing is the most important thing. Yes. That if the debt is paid off within the five consecutive months, then it's paid off in full. I would think that would be okay. I've negotiated something before several times. Um, where a lawsuit's already been filed and, and a document is signed called a stipulation for entry of judgment. And it basically says, I agree to entry of a judgment against me in the amount of $10,000. But if I make a certain number of payments that add up to a lesser sum, that the judgment will never be entered. But that's more of a common thing where a lawsuit's already been filed and, and they hold on to the stipulation and don't enter it. But uh, somebody just calling up, that's probably way too um, too complex for them to um, ne negotiate on their own. Yeah, they're going to lose money in the legal fees of trying to, you know, create a deal. They're going to spend 3000 trying to get an extra 2000 out of the debtor. So, yeah, yeah. Here's a little bonus tip. Um, you might get a little better deal just before the end of the month. Really? I got to tell you, there's quotas in this business. And to get money to come across before the end of the month, I find that you, you get a little better deal. Now, it depends from creditor to creditor. But I've had them give me quite a different tune early in the month than what I hear 
later in the month. Just a, a little side tip, something to think about. All right. How about tip number six? Don't make false representations when negotiating a debt. Most of the time, these calls are recorded these days, and there should always be that warning if they're going to be recording them. But I would assume that anything that you say has been recorded. And if it later comes to light that you've lied to them, they can use that to renege on the, the whole settlement. You know, remember, what was it last year we had a guy come in and he was a collection attorney and he said, oh, these people tell me this tale of woe, da, 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 da. And he says, you know, Dave, where the best place to get information on somebody is? I said, what's that? He goes, Facebook. People put all this stuff on Facebook about what's going on in their life and their assets and what they're doing. And it's completely at variance with what they're telling me. And then he said he makes a point just to bust their chops. The negotiation just becomes that more difficult. The settlement amount is that more or less attainable just because they've got something on their Facebook, which is different than what they're telling the creditor. So don't make false representations when negotiating a debt. If you don't have cancer, don't tell them that you do. If you have some kind of other thing going on in your life that's that you're not going to tell them about and they find out that it's a different circumstance, they're going to back out potentially of that settlement. So don't make false representations. Tell the truth. Number seven, a creditor will most likely report a settled account as such on your credit. And there's no reason for them not to do that. Um, they certainly shouldn't show that it's paid in full. And I, I know a lot of people like to use that as the final negotiation. Well, I'll pay that, but you need to show that it's paid off in full. And for a creditor to do that would be actually be reporting untruthfully. And I don't think that the reporting bureaus would like that at all. So it's probably going to be showed off as paid for less than the full amount. My understanding is it's not nearly as bad as a, a delinquent account or a judgment account, um, but they're probably going to show that. Have either of you guys ever looked at a credit report with all these settlement notations on it? What a mess. Fortunately, no. <laughs> well, not, not personally, right? But for anybody else? How about you, Brian? You've worked in law offices for oh, a lot Dave, of years. You know, and working with you, and we've, you know, we've looked at our clients, um, you know, credit reports. And, you know, a lot of people really do try before filing bankruptcy if they have to. Um, try and settle out and do something. So yeah, you've seen the various uh, designations that exist. Um, but, you know, I've never analyzed the, you know, Equifax versus TransUnion versus Experian. Um, they all have their own quirks of what appears um, on the report. And I don't think, Dave, I don't know, is I don't think there's a universal phrasing of these things, of paid in full, settled. Um, they all are a little bit different. The credit. Well, they all, they all certainly look different, they all, and they're yeah. all like hell to get through. It's and the notations. Brutal. It can be 70 pages different. of just crap. Crap. Yeah, Hard absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a legal term, right? Crap. That is, if you look in black, <laughs> it's there. Is it? Take a look in your blacks there, Nick. Look for the definition of uh, crap. Oh, he's pulling it off the shelf. <laughs> hey, hey good it. talk, buddy. 
I love oh, it. Oh God. Oh I God. I love it. Oh, but here's a, I mean, here's a radical concept. If you can repay those debts, um, why not? I mean, just, just hunker down and, and sacrifice if you can. And even a more radical concept, wow, repay them early and save yourself the interest that you, that you, if you can, um, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's not possible, there are strategies. Um, I've spoken with so many people about a sideways strategy during these COVID times. Um, people want to um, retain money in their pocket. They don't have money to pay debts. And there are strategies to put in place to go sideways. If it doesn't look like that's going to work, there, there's strategies to get rid of all the debt, either through bankruptcy or, or assignment for the benefit of creditors in a business context or, or other kinds of things that can be done. And, and, and in that case, people should talk with a, uh, an attorney that's got some experience in, in bankruptcy and, and debt negotiation and, and those kinds of things. But if you think that you can pay it, pay it, pay it, um, not paying it, settling it involves all sorts of other issues, tax issues, uh, credit reporting issues, um, you know, creditors who are going to lie to you, creditors are going to come back and, and make false uh, uh, entries potentially on your very complicated credit report. So this is a tough road to go down. Sometimes, sometimes it's the best way to go. But many, many, many times there are other solutions that are actually that much better. That being said, that being said, guys, our listeners now have seven tips on how to settle debt. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, before we get to some emails, I want to talk a little bit more about this concept of retired. And I know you guys think I'm like a, a dog with a bone that doesn't want to give it up. But a couple of weeks ago, for those of you that weren't uh, um, on that podcast or listening to the podcast, we talked about what to call yourself when you've when you've made it, when you've when you're not working your full time job, and uh, it's not really retired, it seems to me, because that implies old and and used up, and there should be some other word that we can come up with. I mean, we we even went so far as Nick uh, offered uh, twenty five dollars for a listener to come up with something, and and uh, I upped it with a hundred dollars out of Nick's pocket. And we said, look, <laughs> okay, uh, Dave. <laughs> we said, look, come up, uh, give us a, give us an email. And we're looking for a, a better word for early retired. And I got to tell you, we're not, we're not digging what we got so far. So send us in uh, some words for early retired, something that's more appropriate. By the way, did you guys know that most of our listeners come from us and, and Canada? But, you know, I was looking at the, uh, the results of some of the podcasts. You know, we get, we get heard in, in Brazil and Thailand. I had no idea. I think that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, 
So some of you out there in Brazil and Thailand, do your job and send us an email. We're <laughs> looking for a better word for retired. You know, I, I went to the thesaurus, the thesaurus, and looked up retired, and all of the words that were similar to that, according to that publication, were like old and used up or put away. And people who have been financially successful and are no longer pursuing their main career certainly aren't being put up or put away or old or tired. We need a word that has the connotation of young and successful, but not too snotty. How about investor? We talked about that last time. How about independent investor? How about independent investor and whatever you're doing now, like independent investor and part-time coach? Or how about I live on income from investments? Uh, it's kind of telltale that you got some coin, huh? How about tailored my lifestyle to live on investments? No? Too long. We've got to, we it just. Independent. See, now, there was one, there was the one that was the, what if camping? It was, if you were camping, that meant, and you were young. Yeah. That was kind of the buzz term that one guy's thought was. If you were in the camping phase of life, that meant you were young and healthy enough to camp, and yet you had enough money established to camp all the time. So you're camping, you're just moving around from place to place because you can. There was something to that one, but you know, it's like you said, Dave, I wasn't really thrilled with any of the ones that we got yet. So yeah. Independent investor, I think is my, my leading choice so far, but I'm not, I'm not sold on it. In a, is it a noun? Is it a, is it a state of mind? It's it's, it's wide open. It can be yeah. anything. So This concept, though, this was so cool. This concept is changing, though, because I looked at um, retire early, and you know what came up as one of the synonyms, FIRE. Yeah, really? The acronym for financially independent retire early. So maybe someone says, well, what do you do for a living? And you say, hey, I'm on FIRE. I kind of like that. It has a ring to it. People, people throw cold water on you or something, or maybe we just need to um, uh, educate people. I know, was on fire and now I have a solid, a solid base of embers <laughs> that I just live off of. I that I call <laughs> off the warmth of those embers. Just don't say it in a theater. <laughs> All right, listeners, send us your ideas. We want to hear from you. Otherwise, we're going to stick with independent investor or fire. Now, Brian, you've got a handful of uh, email questions, and I want you to give me, we've got just a few minutes, give me a short one. All right, here's a short one, and this guy is in a pretty good place. Um, but he still has a valid question, even in these turbulent times. So he writes in, this guy's name is Steve. He writes in, Dave, got to tell you, I love the show. I have paid off all my debt, have my emergency fund, and I'm putting away 15% into retirement each month. Now I've saved up some money that I think I'm ready to invest, which obviously is a good thing. Now he's saying my problem is that I don't really know what to invest my money in, and I'm afraid that I'll make a mistake and lose it all. And besides, what's safe during COVID-19? Any advice? Thanks, Steve. <laughs> 
Steve, love you to death, babe. You're doing all the right stuff. No debt, emergency fund, 15% into retirement. I'm assuming that you're a single guy and that you've saved up some money. I love that. So the question is twofold. One, what do I put my money into? And two, I'm afraid that I'll make a mistake. Well, the easy way to find something to invest it in, I mean, the easiest, simplest, go put it in a savings account. If it's a thousand or less, put it in a put it in a savings account. And then when it gets to be a little more money over a thousand bucks or maybe a couple thousand bucks, you walk into a brokerage house or one of these places, the Schwabs, the Ameritrades, the E-Trades, whoever's left these days. And you say, look, I want to put my money in a conservative fund. And they'll give you a list of three or four or five or 10 different. And you just, you, you put it in there. You just put the money in there. And then you don't pay a lot of attention. Maybe you look once a month. Maybe you look every two weeks. If you're Nick, you look every morning, right, Nick? <laughs> I, I look before my coffee, after my coffee, before lunch, <laughs> after lunch. I mean, I would just say find a good ETF, set it, and forget it. I agree. I agree. Brian? I just love watching Nick talk about stocks. It just makes me happy. Oh, that's I, I like, so cute. He starts to foam at the mouth. It's classic. I love it. it. It's equal parts. He's a savant versus he has issues. I, I, I don't know <laughs> which one it is. <laughs> well, I'll look, take the compliment. <laughs> look, Nick is Nick is a lot younger in his life. He's very interested in his investments and the things that he's doing. He's actively looking at them every day, pursuing them maybe a little more aggressive than the average bear and that's okay. In fact, Perfect. I like watching that because I learn stuff from Nick. It's pretty cool. Hey, but, you know, the, the thing is I do my research and that's what I want all the listeners to know is that it's okay to invest. Just do your research, make sure you know what you're putting your money into. But if you invest it in something that you're looking at the long term, that is even better. But each individual listener is going to have to decide how much time they want to put into it, what level of risk they're willing to take, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as long as you think about it and come up with a, a thoughtful answer to those kinds of questions, well, then you're, you're doing the right kind of homework. You're doing the stuff that you're supposed to do. And Steve, you're talking about you'll make a mistake and lose it all. Well, you know what? <clears throat> you might. I don't think so. I think a lot of the funds that the brokerage houses have, especially the more conservative ones, you're not going to get wiped out. You might lose money, but I don't think you're going to get wiped out. You know, most of the money that was lost during the COVID thing um, has come back. Not all of it, but a lot of it's come back. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. This is money that you're saving for long term. You've got a long horizon on it. That money may go down. It may go up. But the idea is over a large period of years, it will go up in the long run. So I would certainly keep that in mind. And you know, Henry Ford said, you only have to be right the last time. And that's something to think about too. So let's bring this all to, to a head. You know, Steve, you're, you're doing all the right stuff. Go ahead and, and when that money's over a thousand bucks, put it in some kind of fund at a, at a brokerage house. Um, 
don't worry about it. Don't look back. It'll go up. It'll go down. But in the long run, as long as you pick something that's relatively conservative, you should be fine and don't spend a lot of time worrying about it because chances are you will not be wiped out in a very large conservative kind of fund, even in this age of COVID-19. Do you guys remember back in what, end of March, the stock market was falling a thousand points a day More and, than and, and everyone's going, Hey, steady, steady. And, and I'm going, Hmm, wow. Bye, should I pull bye. money out? Should I? Yeah. Well, I wish I, 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 I was wish, saying bye-bye. Right? Yeah, I, I was were. saying bye-bye. I know you were. And I, and I wish I had the, um, the, the fortitude to buy by. I mean, I was really worried that uh, could things potentially just fall off the cliff? I mean, that's about as bad as it could get potentially a world plague at that point. We didn't know. And yet yeah, the markets come back. Some of the, some of the markets are ahead of where it was. Some of them are completely back, but it's come back. And I just think it shows the, the strength uh, of the American financial system. I keep hearkening back to, to Mr. Buffett in his message to shareholders this year. And he, you know, he, he laid out all the significant problems that the United States economy has, but he looked, he looked right into the camera and he said, but I would never bet against the United States economy. Never bet against the fed. Yep. And he was, he was right. Things are, things are back. I wish, boy, you look at that dip in March and you go, wow, I wish I had bought a whole bunch of stuff because I would have a lot more money now. But the wiser thing was just to, just to hang on, let it ride out. Hang on. And, yeah. And it, and it worked. Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. Yep. So true. So true. All right. That's a wrap guys. Thank you to Nick Appel coming to us from San Diego. Brian Reed from Seattle, Washington. Another fun podcast. Stay tuned. We're working on some interesting stuff for next week. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.